Warning, cursing ahead. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Ni hao ma, my electric liberty lights, my electric liberty luddites. What's happening, guys? I uh, start off with a little Chinese there because I'm sipping on a Tsingdao beer, one of my favorite little beverages as I record this episode, which is Electric Liberty Land number 19. That, of course, means you can find it over at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL19. Now, let's start it off right with a toast to the AHCA. Not for any good reason, mind you, but just there's always a reason to drink. Toasting to all of the victories that the Republican Party is claiming. Toasting to all of the crybaby, hand-wringing antics of the bottle-sucking progressive left, or regressive left, depending on the way you want to look at it. Now, you might have missed my rant. If you're not in our Lions of Liberty Pride, which, of course, you can go and, uh, and check out, we've got a special group where and we do bonus content, and I recorded some bonus content this past, uh, this past weekend. You can check that out at lionsofliberty.com forward slash support. And I recorded a very special Rand Pauluses and Minuses where and I touch on the American Healthcare Act. And <laughs> American Healthcare Act. I think I think that's as simple as that. The bill's called right. I keep wanting to add something else in there. Uh, anyway, so that passed through, as you know. And Rand Paul came out and he said that, well, you know, this thing, uh, yeah, it's got a lot of work to do. It's less bad, is the way Rand said. So less bad, I guess, is the way you could term this newest bill, which passed the House on a, I think, a meager four votes. Just got enough to pass, and now it's going through to the Senate, which basically means that nothing's going to happen with it, which is what aggravates me with all this all this trumping uh, and trumpeting, the Trump trumpeting, and the GOP declaring this a victory, and, you know, oh, yes, we repealed Obamacare, and yada, 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 because really, they didn't repeal uh, Jack and S. Really, what they did was they rewrote a lot of the Obamacare laws that were in place regarding health care. They kept all the things that people like you and I, if you listen to this podcast, hate. That includes uh, a lot of the subsidies, which are now no longer subsidies. They're now tax credits, which are essentially just the same, same difference, really. They also didn't include anything on health care to cross state lines. You still can't do that. So I'm in California. I can't look across to Arizona and get a cheaper plan. I uh, still they still handing out money in droves to insurance companies, you know, because insurance companies were getting a payout already from the government. Where and, and it was already they're supposed to be putting a hold on it, but uh, but you know Barack Obama was still paying out, and Trump had threatened to stop paying the insurance companies, basically paying them to continue to cover people with pre-existing conditions because they said, well, you know what, if if you don't make enough money then the government will make up the difference. So taxpayers are paying. Like People don't realize, on top of your premium skyrocketing with Obamacare, the government is also using your tax dollars to further subsidize this, making payments directly to the healthcare industry, directly to insurance companies. And that's still going on. This bill is still just a crony capitalist document. They're still giving some, they have like $8 billion set aside just to give to healthcare companies. But I think now it's on a state by state level instead of a, a federal level, because now they've gotten these, these high risk pools. If states want to opt out of Medicaid, so they, they're giving the, they're just like, here you go. Here's $8 billion uh, for these states, which meanwhile, probably none of the states are going to opt out anyway, because the, what you could actually opt out of is so, uh, it's, it's almost like irrelevant. So no one's going to do anything anyway. So this bill essentially has passed and they've taken out the individual mandate, which is great, uh, you know, except for the fact that they put in another mandate, which which says that if you don't keep continuous coverage, you get penalized. So if you did want to drop your coverage, if you're a young, healthy person and you want to drop your coverage, you get penalized when you try to come back on. So while it's nice that you're not just going to get taxed for not having health care in general, like under Obamacare. Now they got a whole other way to slap you across the face if you have the gall to think that you might be able to live your life without health insurance while you're young and healthy, or even if you're a little bit older and healthy. 
So again, it's just playing into this. Let's keep everybody in the system. Let's keep everybody paying the insurance companies. Again, the crony capitalism in this thing is rife. And, you know, for the, for the GOP to cite this as a victory is maddening. It's absolutely maddening. And for Trump to cite it as a victory is absolutely maddening. I mean, the other thing they're talking about is, you know, it's they're shifting some of the burden off of younger people, which is good. Because, again, I don't think younger people should be paying for for the, you know, the 5 percent of people that use the the most amount of coverage You have these people with pre-existing conditions that basically are sucking up all of the resources and everybody else is paying for them. So they're taking some of the burden off of young people. But now they're putting the burden on older people, <laughs> which I think is more fair. To be honest, because older people are the ones that are going to the doctor far more often. But there's something now where it used to be uh, it used to be capped, and now I think it could go up to six times more than what they were paying. So the elderly are going to get hit with the bill now instead of the younger people in America. I guess that's a step forward. Uh, apparently, Justin Amash thought it was a state for a step forward, which shocked me because Justin Amash has been one of the most consistent voices for liberty that has been in the House or the Senate. And he voted yes on this bill. Now, initially he said, oh, it was, you know, he was kind of forced to do it. But then he said he was going to explain his decision. And I looked on his Facebook page to see exactly what he had to say. And from May 6th, from his Facebook page, here is his explanation. First, he starts off, starts off, by the way, completely slamming the bill, saying that it's garbage. And then he goes on to tell us why he voted for it. So it's... (laughs) It's uh, very entertaining. It's like, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, this girl, she was disgusting. Poor guy, you know, this dude's disgusting, brought him home, gave him a good plowing. You know, he's just rife with uh, rife with disease and uh, gonorrhea, chlamydia, syphilis. I'm dripping all over the place. He was disgustingly ugly, smelled terrible. But, you know, I still decided that I was uh, I was going to bang him. That's 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 Justin Amash's Facebook status. So let me read this to you. This is this is some excerpts. Here's the first part. The AHCA repeals fewer than 10 percent of the provisions in the Affordable Care Act. It is an amendment to the ACA that deliberately excuse me, deliberately maintains Obamacare's framework. It reformulates but keeps tax credits to subsidize premiums. Instead of an individual mandate to purchase insurance, it mandates a premium surcharge of 30% for one year following a lapse of coverage, as I discussed earlier. And the bill continues to preserve coverage for dependents up to age 26 and people with pre-existing conditions. I want to emphasize that last point. The bill does not change the ACA's federal requirements on guaranteed issue, parentheses, prohibition on policy denial, and parentheses, Essential health benefits, parentheses, minimum coverage, or community rating, parentheses, prohibition on pricing based on health status. In short, Obamacare's pre-existing conditions provisions are retained. And yes, they are retained. This is just me talking now. This isn't just an homage. Uh, yeah, they are retained. It's it, it, like I say, it does nothing. Which is why it's so ridiculous that the GOP is crowing about it. And I want to talk a little bit about the liberal response to this in a minute. But let me finish up Justin Amash. So this is the later part of his quote. He goes on to explain a little bit more. But then he says, here's why he voted for it. The House has voted more than 30 times to amend, not just repeal, Obamacare since I've been in Congress. And I have supported much of that legislation, too, on the principle of incrementalism. If it advances liberty even a little on net... That I'm a yes. Nonetheless, the ACA will continue to drive up the cost of health insurance while bolstering the largest insurance companies, and the modifications contained in the AHCA cannot save it. Many of the AHCA's provisions are poorly conceived or improperly implemented. At best, it will make Obamacare less bad. So, Justin Amash feels that this on net is a step forward. I I can't say I necessarily agree with him. There are certain things that you can like. Like I said, um, you know, there's some of the some of the shift off of younger people, getting rid of the individual mandate. I guess those are both fine things. But again, there's not enough to balance it out. There's still the mandate in there. You know, thirty percent for the year after you drop health insurance. Who's going to be incentivized to come back on and get health insurance then? And again, without having people in the system to pay for it, no one, there's no one there to balance out the people's pre-existing conditions because those people get to stay on. They don't get kicked off. You know, they're still on there. And 
this is why it's so frustrating when you see these a-hole progressives. Like I, I went on Facebook and I didn't want to engage too much because I know it's just it's this ridiculous emotional response of, you know, you could hear the fury just ah! fever pitch of people just shrieking, you know, like wind howling through the trees, trees of the idiot forest. Ah! As these people shrieked onto Facebook and shrieked onto Twitter to express their outrage at, at what they said is 24 million people just lost health care. I can't tell you how many goddamn times I saw some idiot including Bette Midler. Yeah, you bet. I didn't like Beaches. The only movie I've ever liked you in was The Witches. And I mostly like that movie because Sarah Jessica Parker actually looks hot in it. Go watch it again for the first time. She looks shockingly attractive in that movie. I mean, half of it has to do with the fact she's got a lot of makeup on, which makeup. And half of it's got a little bit to do with the fact that she's got her boobles all pushed up. <laughs> and she's got one of those, you know, she's got a tight, tight little corset on and uh, it's really pushing her stuff up, popping fresh right in your face. So, you know, she worked a little magic on me. I'll say that. But anyway, Bette Midler, complete imbecile. She tweets out that the GOP has just taken away 24 million people off of health care, you know, ripped their, ripped their health care away, which is complete and utter garbage. It's not true in any way, shape, or form. Let me tell you where this lie that all the left seems to glob onto, I don't know what the first idiot that said it was, but they all are rallying around this cry that 24 million people have lost health care, apparently overnight, even though the bill hasn't passed the Senate. So nobody's lost anything yet. But anyway, where that number actually comes from is the CBO, they did a rundown of the first bill, and they said, okay, well, here's what's going to happen. Uh, if this bill passes as is, then uh, you're between all the people that voluntarily, remember that word, voluntarily, decide that they don't want to pay for health insurance anymore, because now they're not forced to, and the people that actually would lose their plan. Remember that phrase, their plan. They assessed that that number of people, not today, not tomorrow, not when they sign the bill, if it actually ever passes the Senate, and God knows it'll get changed immensely. No. Even when you sign it with your nice pen, your uh, red, white, and blue flag pen, the same one you can see at the uh, the Shell station or any truck stop across America, you sign that, you still don't have 24 million people lose insurance because the CBO is projecting 24 million people over the next 10 years. They projected it from 2016 to 2026. That's what that number is. It's not even accurate because it's a guess. And again, they even said in the document that all of these progressive dickheads are citing that that is mainly based around people voluntarily opting out of Obamacare, opting out of the healthcare market because they're young and they're healthy and they don't want to pay for insurance. And like I said, remember the other thing about the plan? The other people, now, look, there might be some people that will lose their healthcare because they'll get dropped from the plan and maybe they won't get, they, so what, that's not even, no, it's not even there. Because anybody that has a pre-existing condition under the new plan is, still doesn't lose their healthcare. So again, this is all garbage. It's just a lie. You get to have, you might lose the exact plan run because all of the healthcare plans are going to change. Once they don't have these mandates in place that they say, okay, you have to cover these specific things, healthcare companies and insurers are able to go and say, okay, well, I'm going to change it now. I'm going to give somebody more of what they might want. Maybe they go back to catastrophic coverage because now it opens up the states can say, okay, we're going to change what we have to do. We don't have these minimum requirements that we have to have our insurers build into every plan now. So again, these people, okay, so you say 14 to 20 million are going to opt out, and then the other 4 million or 10 million, whatever it turns out to be, who lose their plan, they can just get another plan. Again, nobody's being kicked off of healthcare. The only people you could say arguably could have been is if these states roll back their Medicaid in a large way. But again, even then, I, you know, you're going to have other alternatives. So it's just a complete lie. The whole narrative is just made up trash that these people and, and nobody bothers to check it 
Nobody bothers to look into it at all to see if it's true, to see if any speck of it makes sense to parrot across the internet. That doesn't matter. Just retweet it, throw it up on your Facebook page. Make sure everybody knows that you get your, your flag in the air, your big V, your big scarlet V for virtue signaling. Etch that on your chest, Hester Prynne. And that way everybody feels great about themselves. Now, you know, of course, on <laughs> on Fox, I watched, uh, I can't remember, I flipped over to Sean Hannity. I think it was, maybe it was even on, on website or something like that. But I saw Sean Hannity say how important a, a move forward this is, as all these Fox News hacks are saying, which is just insulting and stupid. Uh, it's a joke. You know, the Democrats were singing, hey, hey, goodbye to the Republicans after they passed it in the House. Now, that I think is childish. And again, indicative of the mentality of these people. They are children. And I think it was Dave Smith that was saying this, uh, and I think he's exactly right, is that liberalism is is a a theory based in childishness. It's everybody's got to take care of it. It's never anybody's fault. Uh, you know, mommy, daddy has to come help you, and that's the government. And I agree with them completely there. It's dead on right. And, you know, this is just an example of these children. It's like children on a playground. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, poking fun at each other. Okay, yeah, you guys are going to get voted out. They might be right. But talk about having no class. Talk about degrading a political, you know, what what should be a political discourse into a playground mentality. And I'd said this before, this tit for tat uh, mentality that that pervades politics and pervades our society right now uh, and everything the politicians do. It's absolutely disgusting and pathetic. All right. One more thing I want to talk about on the ACHA or (laughs) AHCA. I always mess that up, is that the liberals, like I talked about, they, uh, they're still telling everybody that'll listen that it's going to kill a bunch of people, which again, is totally untrue. And a bunch of these half-tards are going out and they are going to have what they call a die-in. And what that means is that they're going to go with tombstones that say rest in peace, affordable health care, stupid phrases like that. And they're going to go lie down in front of politicians' offices and pretend to be dead. And we can only hope that many a flock of pigeons flies over those people as they're lying there, just dropping shit, just hunks of shit right in their mouths. I hope they hit them in the eyeballs. I hope it turns out like 28 days later. You know, bird shits in your eye, you turn into a manning and zombie, start chewing each other's faces off. Go for it. Who needs bath salts? Get me a poison pigeon, somebody. I encourage all of you to go out there. Just start, uh, you know, mixing random blood samples together and giving them to pigeons. And then just bring them to one of these rallies. But what's great is this guy, one of these organizers, one of these, these progressive organizers who, who really just feels like they have to do something, even though, it, uh, even though nothing's really happened yet. He says, listen to this. This is this quote. This is from Politico. We must be far more visceral, says Jason Haber, a Manhattan real estate investor who started a super PAC that he said will host mock funerals, including tombstones, coffins, even eulogies, later this month for the constituents that will be killed as a result of losing access to health care. Now, this, this quote coming up is the best. Haber, who has worked in New York Democrat politics, said in the age of Trump, nothing short of blunt and brute force will work as a counterweight, which is a very mature thing to say. That makes a lot of sense. That's 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 indicative of uh, of political dialogue that's really going to accomplish something, right? Just brute force. All right. Anyway, uh, uh, we can't win based on the merit of our ideas, but rather on the way in which we deliver that message. What what what's to be said? What what can you say? How do you solve a problem like Maria, my friends? I mean, the guy's basically just saying our ideas have no merit. (laughs) That actually having a dialogue with somebody and trying to win them over to your point of view, using logic, reason, persuasion, good old human interaction and finding common ground, none of those things matter. The merit of their ideas doesn't matter. And I would agree that most merit in many progressive ideas, uh, there is no merit because they're mostly pie in the sky, idiotic garbage, which will just serve to crush our liberties at the expense of giving these people the mommy and daddy that they deserve, or actually they don't even deserve, that they uh, desire. 
But for this guy to come out and say it, basically just just admit that, you know, it doesn't really matter what we're saying as long as you make a big enough spectacle about it, that then we're happy. I mean, good job, guy. Does that sum up our culture in a nutshell right there? Doesn't matter what you say. Doesn't matter if your information is correct as long as you make a big enough spectacle of yourself. All righty. Kim Kardashian in the house, everybody. Absolutely disgusting. Hmm. All right, uh, let's. Why don't we move on here? Because I want to talk. Let's talk a little bit about pop culture, just in the way, um, in the way that I've been noticing a. You know, like when Trump came into office, everybody said, "You know, there's all these stories about 1984." Obviously, Orwell's famous novel, dystopian future about government overreach, surveillance, state censorship. Everybody said because of the Trump totalitarian. An authoritarian government he was putting into place that 1984 was just you know, skyrocketed. It was the top seller on Amazon once again. And I have to sit back and laugh at that because you know it's not libertarians buying the book when Trump came into office. We already all own the book. <laughs> We're very familiar with the book. And you doubt that it's conservatives going out and buying. If they like Trump, they're not going to go out and buy a book to say, well, I got to poke some holes in my candidate being authoritarian. No, no, it's all, it's going to be all progressives going out. Maybe independents even, which I hope independents read it. I hope they actually take something away from it because it's clear that that the liberals aren't taking shit away from it. Because look at this, okay? Yes, 1984 is a lot of authoritarian, um, you know, language in it. And and it does a great job of exposing the big brother state, which again, if people had their eyes open, they would see charismatic leader, look at Trump, look at Barack Obama, taking us into a constant state of war. Which so far, Trump has not taken us into that war, but he has certainly blustered about it enough that it still maintains that the uh, the great evil of North Korea or of ISIS or of anything else, the great evil must be contained. Same thing with Barack Obama. Got to go maintain our troops in Afghanistan. We must defeat ISIS at all costs. You know, it's, it's it's the same garbage. So there's a lot of that in there. But again, I'm sure they didn't associate any of that with, with Obama, only with Trump. But beyond that, you look at these other themes that are in the book. These overarching themes of government control, control over sex, control over relationships, control over words. The left right now, how about that sentence? The left right now, the left at this point in time has gone out of its way to label certain words as hate speech or to label certain uh, genders as being unassailable many of the number 36 genders we have out there, wherever many there are. You know, you can't dare question whether or not a transgender person should be able to use the bathroom of their preference rather than the sex they were born with. You cannot dare question whether or not somebody can, <laughs> can speak out on a topic that is not socially acceptable, like Milo Yiannopoulos did, uh, or call a spade a spade, as he would often do, whether or not you agree with it or not, he would he would at times uh, get it right. You know, everybody bats, everybody, you know, once a, what do they say, twice a day a clock's right? But they label to say, okay, that's hate speech. You can't say that anymore. Do they not see when they read this book when Trump came into office that what they are doing is enabling the government via this hate speech laws, via these discriminatory laws, via all of these different means and ways in which the government is insidiously creeping into our lives and the way we interact with each other, that this is what the book is about. I mean, hate speech and making words taboo is new speak in the book. If you're familiar with that, it was called new speak, where then they would simplify everything down. And you saw Trump simplify everything down. It worked very effectively. The left does it as well. Hate speech. That's hate speech. Can't say anymore. A, a, a massive category of words. That's a trigger warning. You can't invade my safe space. You can't say that word around me. You got to tell me ahead of time so I can get out of here. Again, this censorship of words, you know, and, and, and again, dumbing them down so that you know, a lot of these people that are out there crusading are very stupid people. Because they're just buying into whatever they're reading on face value. They're not reading the articles. They're not clicking, reading, reading news stories. They're not delving below the surface because they're scared of ridicule. They're scared of the culture. They're scared of their neighbor. Again, hearkening back to this book, they're scared of their neighbor turning them in to their friends, to their loved ones. 
and saying, holy shit, did you see what Sally said on Facebook? She dared question the liberal narrative. I better unfollow her. I better delete her. I better stop inviting that girl to stuff. Again, I met, I referenced this group. I can't remember if it was on the Rand pluses or minuses or not, but I'm in a, I was in this political group uh, the other day and, you know, people openly talking about prideful, talking about how they had to unfriend people because they, you know, I saw some stuff there, you know, they were, they were pro Trump and, uh, and I had to unfollow them. I can't, you know, I can't have those people on my feed. And then I'm sure they unfriended them and they went to their other friends and they turned them in like the good liberal cops they are, the good thought police that they are. And make no question, this is, they are thought police, these people. If you can't police it, they don't have the authority yet to police it to the point where they can lock somebody up like in 1984, but they have the ability to ostracize somebody, to try to lock them into a cage of their, of the, of, of ostracization from a friend group and not invite them to events, not to invite them to take part in a dialogue. This news speak. Simple thoughts, simple meaning. No words that aren't pre-approved. Not only that, how about the liberal push to change the past? The rewriting of what has actually occurred. I mean, look at what's going on right now. Again, they, in 1984, they called it the Ministry of Truth. And the Ministry of Truth went back in time and they would rewrite news articles and they would take out anything they didn't like. They would take out any of the losses. They would replace them with wins. They would make up entire new characters and entire new stories to replace them. And then if anybody asked about that past, they'd say, no, it never happened. Look, been deleted. That's what the left is doing right now. Look at New Orleans, where the Antifa and other uh, assholes are going around and destroying monuments. They're ripping down monuments that took place in a different time that, that you know, and hey, I can't say that I am supportive of what some of those monuments are there for. Because they were, you know, they, they were associated with slavery. But I do not think that you should be able to tear them down and destroy them and try to rewrite the past and say that it never happened. Just because you don't like what happened to the past. Well, these people don't see that. They don't seem to understand that what they're doing is the most authoritarian, anti-American, anti-liberty, anti-freedom thing you can do. It just slips under. I, I, I it, it honestly, it, it boggles my mind. It absolutely boggles my mind. And you look at even texts and granted. Now I go, I know guys that history is written by the victors. That we all know. We all know that well. But. They're even going back now and, you know, rewriting the history books and they're rewriting the way in which things are being taught to reflect a completely different and very liberal worldview. Again, there's all, you know, 90% of teachers are Democrats, super progressives. So it's being written and approved beyond, uh, behind our backs. And at this point, who knows what the narrative, I don't even know what kids are being taught now. I have no idea. I mean, overnight, Christopher Columbus turned from a, uh, a hero into a, a slave-owning uh, genocidal maniac, which, hey, that might be true. And if that is true, I'm fine with that. And it sounds like he probably did kill a bunch of people. Now, granted, guys, that's happened throughout history. <laughs> so again, <laughs> to say this is something unusual is ridiculous. So they're going to go back. They're going to change history. They're going to rip down the monuments. And at the same time, they're doing this, by the way. Everybody looks at what ISIS is doing tearing down monuments, destroying icons of the past and saying, oh my God, can you believe these people are doing that? Barbarians, animals. And then they turn around and without any irony whatsoever or any self-awareness, they go and do the exact same thing. Whether it's South Carolina, whether it's New Orleans or anything else. Ah, man, the lack of self-awareness is hilarious. You know, let me take a quick break. I'm actually, instead of doing our traditional commercial break, guys, I'm going to do a solid to a client of mine. As you know, I do PR for a living. And uh, I want to tell you about a film called A Better Place. And this is for a, a client of mine. It's from Digital Jungle Pictures. And the director, Dennis Ho, is a libertarian for old show. Uh, I've had a lot of conversation with him about it. And this film, A Better Place, is interesting. 
Now, look, I'm not going to tell you that it is going to be a, a, you know, something that's going to change your entire worldview, but it's an interesting film that combines fantasy, drama, and science fiction into one film, wherein it centers around this kid named Jeremy. And Jeremy's got a special power wherein it essentially is a boomerang effect that takes place with the energy in his body. So somebody acts out on him that is boomeranged around in a different way that you'll find interesting. Now, there's a lot of libertarian themes in this film, which is why I want to bring it up and I want to give it a little push to see because it's on video on demand right now. You can find it on iTunes, etc. And Dennis has put in a lot of a lot of themes like crony capitalism. Um, you know, basically the government working with the police and uh, private businesses working with the police to take property legally. The non-aggression principle plays into it as well. And you also have just a lot of welfare abuse in the film. He does, you know, that's a, a big central theme. One of the characters, her mother is a big abuser of disability and welfare. So you've got these strong libertarian themes in there. In this movie that, again, has an interesting sci-fi feel to it. And, you know, it flows pretty well. So if you have a minute, if you have a few extra bucks, go check out A Better Place from director Dennis Ho. And feel free, you know, let me know what you think about it. <laughs> like I said, I can't promise you you're going to say, that's the best we've ever seen. But it might make you think. And you'd be supporting a fellow libertarian in the process. So that's my commercial for today's Electric Liberty Land. All right, let's get back into it. What do you say? Uh, next thing I want to talk about, guys, we'll diverge out of the realm of 1984 and into South Korea. Because South Korea has a new president. Yes, I know. It's a very exciting time. And actually, this new president has said that he is not going to kowtow to America and to U.S. interests all the time as his, predecess- pre- blah, 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 his predecessors have. So this new president, Moon Jae-in, and I'm probably saying that wrong because you know I love to say things wrong. He was a disciple of uh, of Roe, R-O-H, and uh, who was also anti—basically, he was very pro-North Korea and pro-speak with North Korea. They called it the sunshine policy. And what they would do is instead of being aggressive, they would try to foster goodwill between South Korea and North Korea by arranging family uh, reunions between you know, people that had left to avoid the Kim regime and went to South Korea. They developed that joint industrial area, which has fallen down a little bit now, but they could try to revitalize that. And basically just said, let's not have a policy of animosity towards each other. So that's what uh, Mr. Moon also wants to do. And he also said he he wants to question the THAAD shield we put into place, the T-H-A-A-D missile shield that has been going in there. He said that that was approved too quickly. He wants to look and see if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Now, I would be shocked as hell if that actually did not get put into place because I think it might be political suicide. So many people in South Korea are still terrified of North Korea, especially because they've been doing so many nuclear tests. But it's refreshing to see somebody push back a little bit. And I'd be over the moon. If he said, hey, why don't you get some of these uh, some of these troops out of here? We need 80,000? How about you keep 10,000 here? 70,000 you take home. Probably won't happen. But anyway, it's interesting to see what's going to happen there. He also could be a, uh, a better friend for China. Now, this could a little bit affect the U.S. because he might be more open to letting North Korea take place in a lot of the negotiations and a lot of the industrial uh, exports going on in the area. So that would make China happy. It could bring ties together with South Korea and China a bit more, which I don't know. That could be a big boon to the U.S. if we try to wedge in there and get a three-way trade thing going. But anyway, keep your eyes on South Korea because things may get very interesting there soon. All right. Next thing, let's talk about Venezuela as I take a sip of my beer. All right. So Venezuela. Oh, is the shit hit the fan over there, man? I mean, Medora has just driven that country into the ground. Now, not just him. Of course, Chavez before him. Basically, every president that keeps... I don't know how these people get elected. I think it's got to be fraud because there's no way these people, as conditions continue to erode, keep electing these people. But there have now been riots in the streets. It's gone on for weeks. There are 37 people dead as of now in Venezuela from all the rioting. And this stems from the spiraling conditions in that nation, which they've already completely fucked their oil infrastructure. 
They didn't upkeep it. They used to have, I mean, they, they were one of the richest countries. They were pumping oil out like crazy, like nobody's business. Now, completely destroyed. They even uh, nationalized a lot of the oil industries, didn't keep up with it. So all that material, all that, all that oil is just sitting there. They can't pump it because they don't have the money to fix it. They let all the machines go to crap. No one is going to go in there and bail them out from the private industry because they see what's happened with the oil. They saw the GM just got their plant nationalized. So again, how's that socialism working out for you, everybody? Everybody likes when, when a socialist nation comes around, you know, all these jerk offs like Bernie Sanders are saying how great it was. Where are you now, Bernie? Where are you now where people can't get toilet paper, they can't get beer, they can't get food? The bakeries are nationalized because they accuse people of of selling bread for too much money. So they arrested the bakers, even though the bakers can't get wheat because Venezuela can't import it because they don't have the money to do it. But God knows it's the private entrepreneur's fault for uh, for for gouging prices on bread. <laughs> Unbelievable. And now Maduro, he wanted to rewrite the Constitution, but the opposition party has told him to uh, to stick that right up his butt. Said, no way. <laughs> but it's funny, man. You look at Antifa here, right? These Antifa people who are anti-capitalism, supposedly anti-fascism, which is a joke. And they're clamoring for this new world order and basically socialism is what they want. So they're they're beating people up who don't agree with them. Meanwhile, you look at poverty rates across the world where they flourish, where capitalism flourishes. People's anywhere capitalism's in place, people's standards of living go up, the cost of consumer goods goes down, your safety and security go up. Meanwhile, look at capital or look at socialism in Venezuela, where people are poor as hell, they're in danger, they're starving to death, and people are dying in the streets. But please, Antifa, let's put your way. Let's let's give your way a shot and see how that works out for everybody. You black mask dickheads. God damn. Oh, speaking of, sorry guys, one more. Let me harken back to the uh, the ACLU and their involvement with the uh, Affordable Health Care Act because, or the American Health Care Act. Um, because I forgot to mention this, I sent myself a link later on, and then I completely forgot about it because I'm. I'm going through my email notes as I do this. But let me just talk real quick about the ACLU, which, by the way, so the ACLU, we're all familiar with them, the American Civil Liberties Union. Their goals are supposed to be to protect freedom and civil liberty. That's their goals. Meanwhile, this bunch of jerk offs put out an article saying, how odious is the House passed American Health Care Act? Let us count the ways it hurts people with disabilities. And then they go on to cite that, (laughs) <laughs> they're taking an axe to Medicaid. I don't have a problem with that. You know why? Because it slashes about $840 billion over the next 10 years. That's good. That's money back in my pocket that I can pay for my health care. I don't need somebody else paying for my health care or I don't need somebody else using my money for health care because I don't want the government running it. How about this? Taking our lives and our freedom. And I'll link to this article in the show notes, which again, you can find at linesofliberty.com forward slash ELL19. But Liz, taking our lives and our freedom. For people with disabilities, Medicaid is more than just health insurance. It's a main financing source for services like personal care attendance to help people get dressed, eat, and use the bathroom. Yada, 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 yada. Again, saying that it's lives and your freedom. Look, I could understand if you say, well, you don't have the freedom of movement. But I'm sorry, losing this money, losing government health care... It's not your. It's not anything to do with your freedom. You're still a free person. You can do whatever you want. You could leave and go to another country where they have socialized health care. You could have made different choices. You could have gotten insurance earlier, or you could have, you know, leveraged your your way into a charity. I'm not saying these are all solutions. This is off the top of my head, and I'm sure any liberal is going to be like, "Well, you can what, what, what?" But I'm just saying, you know, your freedom has nothing to do with your health care. I'm sorry. Yes, debt is a hindrance to being free in a way. But again, your freedom to do what you want, you can still walk outside. You can still go where you want. Now, you have to say, oh, okay, but we need people to help us get ready and dress ourselves. I'm sorry, that's not that's not the government's purview. If people want to support that, they can donate to private charities. That's not the government's job to take care of you if you can't wipe your ass. I'm sorry, there's nothing to do with liberty. There's nothing to do with freedom. 
The ACLU should not be involved in this crap. Pre-existing condition discrimination. Discrimination. It's called insurance. You don't just get to have insurance based on anybody getting, anybody signed up. Then it's not insurance anymore. Then it's just charity. It's just a charity we're all chipping in for. Period. Insurance is based on risk. Risk pools. You mediate that risk by getting in early when you're not sick. If you waited and then you got sick, then you can't expect to get insurance. It's not discrimination. It's called good business practices. And insurance can't exist without it. Just like the the home loan market. You always went tits up. So making bad loans to people. The insurance market, you want them to make bad loans? We have to bail them all out? We're already bailing them out. Already give them $8 billion. (laughs) And then they say high-risk pools are risky and won't work. Like, get, get, oh, John, it's just, it's so aggravating to see the ACLU confuse civil liberties with a right to health care, which is not a liberty. It's not a right. As the cops come for me. (laughs) There's an ambulance going to, uh, going to pick somebody from the ACLU that just had a heart attack worrying too much about this. Sorry, guys, this is a ragey show. A lot of stuff that's really pissing me off. <laughs> a lot of things. Here's another one that's pissing me off. How about this? California wants to tax mileage traveled by rockets that are launched. How about that? Hey, you know what, SpaceX? We love that you're here. We love that you're giving people jobs. Elon Musk, thank you so much for, for helping to fund the space race, for really making leaps and bounds forward to innovation, for reusing rockets for the first time to go to space. What a great idea that was. But hey, how about we just give a big fuck you to innovation? Because we want to tax miles traveled in the air going out of our state and into space. Who thinks of this? Who in the right mind would ever think that that is a good idea or that that's even a logical idea? Am I going to get taxed for, if I jump in the air, am I going to get taxed for the number of feet I travel? You already tax, California already taxes everything. Everything. The state is an abomination. I don't even know why I still live here, to be honest. It's not like I even like living here that much. They tax everything to death. And now they want to tax space travel? For what reason? What's it, what's it going to pay for? <laughs> more regulation on space travel? We got to tax you so we can have a board. We got to hire a bunch more people to watch what you're doing and making sure that you're recording that uh, that space odometer right. Thanks, Johnny Jerkoff on the city council. Just absolutely. Uh, there's, there's no words. There's no words for it. Because you would think once you could escape the physical trappings of the city, once you're not using the city roads, you would think you would be free. But no, 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 we've got to, <laughs> got to tax, tax the miles. And how many miles, by the way? I mean, we're talking tens of thousands of miles traveled. What's the going rate? What's the going rate for a space mile? Is that because, hey, you know what? Uh, I, have a, I have a strong feeling that's going to get passed along to the consumer. We're making all these leaps and bounds forward as a society in this industry to make space travel affordable to consumers, to colonize other planets, which will uh, get the Earth worry warts off all our backs. But no, we got to put this barrier up in the way and make sure that we tax the living shit out of it so that it's no longer affordable. Make sure that only the elite have enough money to pay the space tax, guys. Keep it classy, California. All right. Uh, one more thing, guys, to wrap the show up today. Uh, I just want to talk a little bit about, there's an interesting documentary that I was watching uh, called The Red Pill. And The Red Pill is on Amazon. You can find that very easily. I was turned on to this by a guy named Jack Stocker, who is one of our forum members over the Lions of Liberty Forum which you can find, just type it on Facebook, Lions of Liberty Forum. It'll pop right up. If you don't look too nutty, we'll let you in. And uh, he said, yeah, check it out. So basically what it is, is it's a documentary made by a woman who was uh, a feminist, considered herself a feminist when she made the film. She had made a couple other documentaries and she said, okay, what am I going to do now? You know, what's next on the list? What's interesting? And she heard about the men's rights movement. 
And there's a bunch of different organizations, uh, Men's Rights Alliance and uh, Men's Equality Center and all these different ones. So it focuses on the fight for men's rights and whether or not, you know, what, what are the arguments for it? And as you guys know, if you listen to my previous shows where I was talking about a client of mine named Rami Avraham, who has uh, just got completely destroyed in family court. Um, you know, they gave away, he basically, he was a guy that was a plumber, Israeli immigrant, still does not speak great English, but he's been here for, you know, 30 years working and made a very successful living as a plumber, put his kids through, co- through excuse me, through school, he has three kids. Uh, his wife never had to work a day in her life, bought a bunch of apartment buildings, had a beautiful house. So essentially what happened is that uh, he, you know, his wife got the apartment building. She got the house. Uh, he, she got another half of an apartment building that they split. They, they were forced to sell it. She got innocent spouse status from the IRS, so she claimed. So she didn't have to pay any taxes. <laughs> so so he made worked all his life, made all the money, bought all the property, and then she got to keep almost all the money. Just madness. Absolute madness. And then on top of that, the judge had accused him of being a violent guy that's likely to get a gun and shoot a bunch of people. And uh, sanctioned him. He had to pay like fifteen thousand dollars to get to cover. And also, he had to cover his wife's uh, lawyer bills. <laughs> it's like a divorce case. Uh, it's just madness. So she goes into a lot of that. Though is the claims that they have in family court, not only on the monetary side where it's insanely biased against men, but also going into paternity issues. Where you know, if you research it, and she did very well, uh, the man has zero rights when it comes to after the woman gets pregnant. Men don't have a say. Now, I'm not saying that men should be able to say, oh, you're not allowed to have an abortion, but uh, it just it goes far beyond that to the point where the mother can give the child up for adoption. The dad's basically have no say. If you want to file a claim, you have to do it a day beforehand. But if the mother doesn't tell you she's going to put the baby up for adoption and she signs the adoption paper uh, after a day, then your baby's gone. <laughs> you don't have a right to it. And there's also things in place where, you know, if you're if you are in a relationship with a woman and you're raising a child and it turns out that kid's not yours, you're still on the hook for child payments. There's a a very uh, interesting story that's in this documentary about a man who's been trying desperately to get out of paying for a child that's not his. He found it. It's not his. And the court still says he has to pay for it. Still has to pay child care. Still has to pay alimony. And it's it, it is an insanely biased system. And it's maddening watching this documentary when she's talking about this and a lot of other issues that, are, that come into play as well as far as, you know, the, the wage gap, uh, looking at the number of men that are, you know, the, the disposable male, as they call it, which is very true, wherein men are still working a lot of the most dangerous jobs. Men are still the ones that are going off to war, you know, immensely that you know, for, if the draft comes up, women are still not drafted. Men are drafted. And and just looking at a lot of these these issues where it's true that. Men are not getting, you know, we, we fought so hard. And I say we, because I, you know, I, I'm all for women's rights as well. Equality is what I'm for. But it's reached a point where it's equal and pushing to the point where men are now getting the short stick. And the feminist has gone through and they changed laws. They take out all the, you know, they change the descriptors and laws so it's not male-centric. But they leave in the ones where they have a benefit, like with family court, like with paternity uh, cases. So it's a really interesting documentary. And this woman who was a feminist, by the end of the documentary, has basically, uh, she, she says, I'm, I'm not a feminist anymore. Uh, you know, when you research all the facts, it's hard to maintain that worldview, which is very one-sided and ignorant of the actual statistics and the actual facts going on. And you listen to some of these people, like this woman who is the head of a center and the editor for Ms. Magazine, and just... Their worldview is not one that is based in reality. It's based in, you know, like Scott Adams likes to talk about the two different movies. They are watching a very different movie than the rest of the world is. But the problem is, well, actually, I should say they're watching the same movie as the rest of the world. The problem is the reality and the truth is not that film. But the mainstream media and the mainstream uh, culture has accepted that women are downtrodden and they have to be supported. Meanwhile, and again, this movie goes into this, you know, domestic abuse. You see these posters and billboards, domestic abuse, stop domestic abuse. And when you hear domestic abuse, you think woman getting beaten by a man. However, statistically, men are beaten more by women, according to the census. Almost uh, a million more reports are men 
being assaulted by women. And you know that a lot of them are going unreported. Now, that's probably on both sides, too. But I have to think because of machismo, a lot of men are not going to be reporting those things. But you don't hear anything about that. All you hear is about women's battery. Uh, so it's just examples like that. So really fascinating documentary. I highly recommend you guys check it out. Again, it's on Amazon Prime right now for free if you have Amazon Prime. Uh, otherwise, you can just, you know, it's on iTunes. You can order it up, et cetera. All right. That will do it for this show, guys. I know it was jam-packed. I pretty much go going rapid fire there. I've also bitten my inner cheek about 15 goddamn times during this podcast. Sorry for screaming. I'm in a lot of pain. <laughs> Oh, one last thing. One last thing. Trump fired James Comey today. <laughs> Which I guess we can call Trump's Comey over. Thank you. I'll be here all night. All right, that will do it for Electric Liberty Land this time, guys. I want to remind you to please listen to Mark Clare on Mondays. It is in-depth interviews. I also want you to listen to his past guest this Monday. Really fantastic doctor talking about the American Health Care Act, the problems therein, and how the market is designed. Basically, you know, when government got, got involved, it flipped the whole market on its head and how we'd be much better off with a free market system. Really great. I also will link to that in the show notes, which again, you can find at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL19. Please listen to John Odermatt on Fridays with Felony Friday. Please do follow us on Facebook, like the page, follow us on Twitter at Lions of Liberty. You can also find me at Brian McWilliams. Feel free to follow me, tweet at me, all that good stuff. If you want to support the show, two ways to do that. Number one, go to lionsofliberty.store, buy a t-shirt created by the great Dan Smots who has his own podcast, avid listener for the Lions of Liberty, uh, avid forum member, and a pride member. But he has his own podcast I encourage you guys to check out. He is just starting it up so he can use some love and some feedback. It's called The System is Down. I will also link to that in the show notes, so please check that out. And I want you to check out lionsofliberty.com dot com forward slash support where you can find how to sign up even for as low as five dollars you get access to all of our bonus content we're putting out there it's all good stuff finally itunes review please write an itunes review all right that's it from me brian mcwilliams from the lions of liberty and from electric liberty land always stay plugged in to liberty